0: The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply, but get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by BetQL. Your bracket may bust, but your bankroll never has to with BetQL. Use promo code MARCH30 for 30% off the entire year of BetQL. That's BetQL promo code MARCH30. We're also brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has tons of free fantasy betting contests, including a $2,000 season-long MLB contest and a $500 weekly contest. Download their app today, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgambling.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home for free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. And make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by PicksWise. Follow the PicksWise Capper Contest at PicksWise.com for free picks and analysis Throughout the tournament, from the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and more. See which expert is trending hot as they ballot it out for a winner-takes-all $10,000 prize over at PicksWise.com. And finally, we're brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge operates like a stock exchange for the sports world. Pick the teams that you like and have somebody else by the other side of that bet. Sign up at BetterEdge.com promo code SGP for a free $10 play. That's bettor Edge. .com promo code sgp
1: We're back, baby, in your dirty filthy earholes, the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I would be your host Jeff Fox the uh, writer, editor at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and the purveyor, I think that's the right word, of MMA-manifesto, the head guy over there, something like that. So um, make sure you check out all my stuff there. Make sure you go enter our UFC 260, excuse me, uh, pick'em contest at mma-manifesto.com. This would be episode 23 of our awesome podcast here, your most favorite podcast. and actually Humanity's most favorite podcast. It's... Um, If you're one of the 3.5 billion people who listen every episode, thank you um, for tuning in. It's uh, incredible um, that we have so many listeners. So like I said, this is uh, episode 23, so I will um, dedicate it to the greatest um, basketball player to ever wear, number 23, who would be, I'm going to ask my co-host who I haven't introduced yet, who would that be?
0: If it's not Michael Jordan, I'm going to be pretty bummed that you're a basketball fan and said somebody other than Michael Jordan.
1: (laughs) It's not, not Michael Jordan.
0: Ooh. But I also feel like tongue-in-cheek-wise here, you're not saying LeBron James. You're going to it's say, not LeBron James. Oh, who's a Canadian who's wore 23?
1: It's Did Jettlaff
0: Schrempf wear 23? No, and he's German.
1: <laughs> he's definitely not Canadian. He's German. But nonetheless, uh, number 23 would be the greatest player ever would be uh, Cedric Sabalos of the Phoenix Suns of the 1990s. <laughs> so this uh my favorite player of all time. So that's what this episode 23 is dedicated to. Uh, it's going out to you, Ced, uh, the slam dunk contest winner, the an all-star with the Los Angeles Lakers and my favorite player while well, he was on the Suns. Um, and the voice you just heard would be my co-host who is on a heater, so you're going to want to tag along with him um, this week, or I might just be saying all this to, to jinx him because he's making me look bad the past few weeks. Um, he went 9-1 and with his picks last week, and I think we figured out he's... Oh, he's—he uh, is 16 and four over the last two, and 25 and 10 over the last three, and we won't go farther back than that because he was still pretty crappy back then. know <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that would be the host of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, which I just listened to today, as well as the Prelim Picker podcast, which I also listened to today. So this is—except um, I listen to those at one and a half times speed. So when I when I do the podcast here with Dan, it sounds like he's having a stroke because he's <laughs> speaking at a normal. Normal speed, but regardless, um, he's also the co host here, so it's three podcasts for Dan. He also writes for sportsgumbypodcast.com. we keep keeping him busy over there. He's doing lots of baseball and college basketball stuff there, and he writes for the MMA Manifesto also. Um, and like I said, his name's Dan. Uh, you can call him Gumby. Last name would be Vreeland. Hello,
0: hey, yeah, th- thanks for uh, listening to the Prelim podcast, but I will note that I'm pretty sure. None of those bouts are still intact since we we posted that episode.
1: Yes, it's been uh hour. it's been like the past few hours have been Dan emailing me saying this fight's off, that fight's off, this fight's gone, that fight's gone and whatnot. Um yeah, UFC two sixty is uh to quote what I said a pretty crappy card. Uh, it started off so great, but then it turned out pretty crappy. Um for again that um some breaking news we had today. Um surprising, uh, former UFC women's bantamweight champ Misha Tate is making her return to the octagon. Did you hear that, Dan?
0: I did hear that. And I'm going to tell you, while it is shocking news and sort of surprising, I think to a lot of people, I did have an inkling that this was coming. Uh, I actually, when I interviewed, uh, Juliana Pena a little while ago, um, when, right before she fought, who did Juliana Pena just be, um... Right before Some she beat – yeah, whoever she just beat, um, she was training with me, Chate, and had said something about, like, being nice to have a mentor back in the gym. And I was like, oh, is she back in the gym? And she's like, yeah, she's just kind of feeling things out. And I was like, oop, yep, I'm, we're going to hear about that in a little while. Um, So, like, I kind of had an inkling that she might be coming back. It also seemed like she might be com- coming back when – um. You know, all that stuff with 1FC fell through. Like, she was no longer working with 1FC, and, and 1FC seemed to kind of not fall out of her favor. You know, like, cause she was there, and she, like, seemed to like her management job there. Um, so for her to leave there and then find out she's training with Juliana Pena, I, I kind of thought it was coming. The fight itself is a weird fight.
1: Yeah, she's, um, Uh, Just to go back, Sheila Empana beat Sarah McMahon, Um, and that's the fight we got wrong. So um, That's why we don't remember who she beat, but that's who she beat. Yeah, first of all, I didn't know she left 1FC. So yeah, I hadn't heard that. I'm not really surprised since it seems like they're all smoke and mirrors with uh, the money. (laughs) thing. She she probably probably wasn't getting paid. (laughs) I have no inside information there, but I wouldn't be surprising if there were some issues with the money there. Um, Yeah, she's only 34 years old. Uh, She's a mommy now. Hasn't been in uh, in the cage for what five years yeah november 12th 2016 was her last win sorry her last um her last fight she lost to raquel pennington she lost usc 200 before uh, the july before that to amanda nunes that's where she lost her title and then she won the title on march 5th 2016 uh against holly holm a fight that she was getting dominated in and she pulled out its mission victory uh in the last what Minute and a half of the fight or so. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a while. She hasn't won in over what five years. She hasn't been in the cage in almost five years as well. Um, but yeah, it's surprising that she. Um, yeah, she just gave birth last June, sister. So she has two kids. Um, yeah, because Wikipedia doesn't lie. Um, so that's <laughs> definitely right. So anyhow, um, yeah, it's it's uh, knowing that uh, not me not knowing that she was gone from one FC. Yeah, this makes it a little less surprising. I, I figured that. UFC still had her rights to uh, her fight contract rights, um, so I'm not surprised that she will be. If she's going to fight, it's going to be in UFC, uh, and she is fighting Mary Renault who's someone who we predicted would have been cut after getting destroyed last weekend. But I guess, um, I guess they're they're trying to give uh, Cupcake Tate a Cupcake fight, but I don't know if it's going to be after five years away or not.
0: No, and and I know that that Renault has since come out and say that this is her retirement fight, too. She's all done after this, which makes sense. She's lost a bunch in a row. She's 43, so it wouldn't totally surprise me if she had just asked the UFC for one more chance to just kind of go out. And, and, you know, she's been a serviceable fighter for them. She's been a top 10 talent. So them giving her one more fight, I guess, isn't the most surprising thing. I, I am a little surprised, but, like. You know, good on her for good on them for giving her one more, good on her for getting one more. Um yep. yeah, and it's weird fight making, but hey, I not the fight I expected to see this afternoon when I saw all these cancellations, but nope. um I'm here for it.
1: Yep, for sure. Um all right, before we get to two, two sixty, uh lines haven't been posted yet. Uh, so we'll get Dan to, to post the line. I always like to put him on the spot and make him post the line. So what is the line for Tate versus Bruno, which is what happened in the summer I take it right July I, think? I heard okay so it, it's booked quite a ways out
0: I imagine okay. when that line does come in we're gonna see Misha Tate as a sizable favorite negative 350 negative 400 um you know Renault coming off the losses despite the fact Tate's coming off a long layoff like they're giving her an opponent who's been losing and you remember the casuals money is going to come in on Misha Tate right like the the yeah. Casuals money does not come on, on somebody coming off of a four-fight losing streak who, you know, has one-eighth of the name value as Tate does. So, um, yeah, I, I just wouldn't expect uh, ever to see Marion Renault anywhere near a, a favorite in that fight.
1: Do you think that's right, though? Would you be picking Tate to win this? I uh, this think
0: point? I I think I would. It's kind of like when we broke down, um, you know, the Jessica Penny fight. Uh, did we did we do that? Oh no, I just did that in the prelim primer. Uh, yeah, and you wasted yeah, your that, time doing that. Hey, that. That fight's not happening either. Yeah, when I broke down Jessica Penne versus Hannah Goldie, I said, you know, like you can't break down a five year layoff, right? Like you, right. you have no idea what that does. So if you're picking against Jessica Penne in that fight when it does get rebooked and when we do eventually see it, you're literally just picking against hoping she deteriorated enough. Because, like, in her prime, the last time we saw Jessica Penne, she'd mop the floor with Hannah Goldie. And I do mean that. I do actually believe that she would wipe the floor with Hannah Goldie. So your only analysis to picking Hannah Goldie is just like, oh, well, she's probably worse now. And yep. is she? Yeah, but that's, like, not a good reason to pick against her, in my opinion. And I kind of feel that way about Tate. Like, do we really believe that Tate hasn't been doing jiu-jitsu? Do we really believe that Tate doesn't occasionally, like, wrestle? Like, she... Her, her, um, The father of her two children is a fighter, too. Like, I can't imagine neither of them trained anything anymore. You know, I can't imagine she was over in 1FC just, like, at a cushy desk job not training. So, you know, yeah. you imagine she's training with, like, obviously less intensity and all that good stuff. But I, I just think that, like, she was world class. World class. And you're going to tell me she's, you know, the time off makes her worse than Marion Renault in a four-flight losing streak? I don't think so. Yeah,
1: probably not. Um, but that, we'll save that. Uh, we'll flat to bed for another day or another month, uh, a few months away. Um, hopefully, that fight doesn't fall through, um, which brings us to UFC, UFC 260, which the whole fight card is, uh, has fallen through. So I, I figure we should talk really, really fast and get this posted because it's going to change, probably changing as we speak. But um, before, before we crack into it, let's uh, tell you about WinBet. They're back sponsoring the podcast again. Uh, College Hoops is back, and so is WinBet. Uh, they're live bringing you the action of real sports betting and online casino play, all produced by Win Las Vegas. Get in on all your favorite teams, Cinderella stories, and tournament upsets. Don't miss out on the madness. Jonas promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. I see they have my Phoenix Suns as a sizable favorite for uh, against Orlando t- t- tonight. We're recording this Wednesday night, so not a surprise there. So yeah, make sure you check out Win Bet. Um, okay, bum, 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 bum. and if you need help uh, with your NCAA picks, I'm sure Dan's been writing lots of articles about it. Have you not?
0: Yeah, and I, I actually was was on a pretty good heater there too because uh, oh, yeah? the the article I wrote about the Western Regional, I said that you know watch out for Ohio, and they obviously had a a good first round there. And I said, watch out for USC. Who's a six seed and still alive in the sweet 16.
1: There you go. There you go. Dan, Dan is on a heater in life. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) like things couldn't get much better for Dan Vreeland. So, (laughs) all right. uh, That's not the same uh, story. As uh as we have for UFC 260, it's just, um, this fight card's been taken on water for a while now. It's it hasn't sunk yet, but it's uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, listing in in the waves. Um, we're down to what nine, maybe ten fights, depending on who you trust and who you talk to. Um, like we mentioned in the last podcast, they, they lost the co-main event featherweight championship, Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. Volkanovsky, pretty much as soon as he touches down and. Dirty, grubby United States gets COVID um, from clean Australia where no one gets COVID. Uh, so that fight's gone, um, at least for now. Uh, Johnny Walker, Jimmy Crute was supposed to be on this card, and Walker got hurt last month. So that one's off. Um, we're supposed to have a heavyweight, uh, big boy, chunky guy battle. Oh, we're being deprived of that also. Blagoj Ivanov and Marcin Tyburra uh, even though I've got hurt and that one got pulled also. Um, what else do we have pulled? Random Marcos, a Canadian that I could have picked against. She was supposed to fight here against Luana Pinheiro. And that was, that's been bumped off because Marcos got COVID. Um, Shane Young, Omar Morales, we're going to break it down, but we're still, you know, depending on who you speak to, uh, this fight is either happening or not happening. I guess <laughs> they're the two options. I, I guess it's either happening or not happening. Uh, it was happening, and then Young got pulled because he's part of Volkanovski's camp, so probably there's at least some contact issues there. Um, but now a lot of respected parties are saying that it's – including, I think, including Young's camp are saying the fight's still happening. So we'll break it down. As of Wednesday night, you know, it's still up in the air. We'll break it down as if it is happening because we're just good guys. Um or we'd have no fights to talk, but basically if we didn't, uh, then uh, the aforementioned Jessica Penne, Hannah Goldie fight's been pulled because Goldie's got COVID, um, Alonzo Minifield, William Knight, Knight got pulled. No, sorry. Yeah. to my, Oh, no. Previously, uh, Minifield got COVID and they got postponed. And now they're supposed to fight this week. And then Knight got removed for COVID issues. So they have some new guy named Fabio Charant will be fighting Alonzo Minifield. So basically it's, Covid ravaged card, which makes me think this is the perfect time for the UFC to to um,
0: <laughs> have an open arena, <laughs> have an open
1: arena event. Uh, lift up t- to continue with my uh, boat analogy. Lift up the anchor and set sail to uh, across the country to Florida and have a try to have fifteen thousand people in an arena, and then maybe like sail over to Texas and pack that stadium too because Texas and Florida don't have any issues with COVID. So yeah, this is the perfect time uh, for them to. The obviously the pandemic's over, so this is obviously a smart smart business move by them.
0: Yeah, I I just can't. I I mean, like I'm hoping those things go off without a hitch, but it does seem when you're canceling, you know, four fights during fight week, uh, and that's just because of your fighters who you've attempted to isolate. Uh, Right. Got it. Never mind the people who you've got no control over. It. Yeah, it just seems oof, not like the right timing.
1: No, of course not. But that's we'll try to be positive here, and we'll just um, we'll stick to the gambling from here on out. No, we won't. I'm sure I'll have I'm sure I'll have more comments, but regardless, let's get started. And I think um, we can get started with the Canadian. We'll see if I am going to um, go against him or not. Marc Andre um, Quebec's finest. He will be opening up as at this point. Uh, he is the opening prelim belt, the only early prelim belt uh currently scheduled for ESPN plus and UFC Fight Pass. He, middleweight belt against Abu Azatar, who is making a return after quite a while off. Um, he is the brother of Otman Azatar who who had that fun adventure at Fight Island where um, he had someone um sneak in like Mission Impossible style to bring him quote unquote potatoes uh, is what the official story is. So anyhow um I'm full of a side, so you must be used to that by now, though, people. Okay, this, uh, I just checking, I was, I was vamping there, because, uh, the start time has been pushed way back. It's supposed to be 6, but since we have no fights on the car now, it, it will be 7.30 as of, as of now. That fight will be starting on, like I said, ESP Plus and USC Fight Pass. Middleweights, Mark Andre Barrio, Abu Azatar, uh, Zatar is 14-2-1 with seven knockouts, one submission. Uh, he's 1-0 in the UFC, but that was way back in July of 2018. Um, it was, he got suspended for um, illegal potato use, correct? Yeah, I believe that was it. it was yeah, he, potato use. he pissed hot for some sort of um, supplement that was inside in a potato, which was against the drug rules. Uh, was that... Was it it was was what two years suspension or was yeah, there other think, things going on there? I think he
0: there? got I think he got the big one if I'm okay. remembering correctly. Yeah, he, he's been on the shelf for for two years for like uh, the TJ Dillashaw treatment, if you will. Right,
1: right, <laughs> okay. So hopefully his brother learned from him and won't be sneaking potatoes uh, in because we don't want him getting suspended too. So uh, regardless, so he's won all the UFC, but that was like almost three years ago, two and a, yeah, almost, almost exactly three years ago. We're only a few months out from July. Um, he all, before that, he was two and all in the world series of fighting. So he's, he has a bit of a top level experience. He has two inches of reach on Berrio, um grappling stats, but we're talking small sample size because he's only fought once in the UFC, but the grappling stats are in his favor. He is at uh, small dog status plus one Oh three. Um, as for the Canadian, who apparently his nickname is Power Bar. Uh, I don't know the story behind that, but that's the name. 11-4 um, and four with one no contest, uh, eight knockouts. So he is a finisher of the knockout variety. He, uh, as for himself, he's never been finished in a fight. He's lost four decisions. Uh, three of those decisions have been in the UFC. Um, he is 0-3 in the UFC with one no contest. He um, won via KO his last fight, but that got overturned. What did he do? What was he? he, had a tainted, he was a he's, a,
0: he's a USADA guy as well, but his was right. a tainted supplement. So they did get it moved down to, I believe, eight months or nine months. And that uh, brings him to pretty much being free to fight this weekend.
1: Okay, right. So there's another potato issue with him. <laughs> um, so he's 0-3 with one uh, no Contest officially. He's really, if you're just counting performance in the cage, he's 1-3. He did win via KO his last fight. Uh, He is three inches taller than his opponent. He's four years younger. Striking stats are in his favor. Minus 110. And drumroll, I am taking the Canadian for a change.
0: Ah, interesting. You're going with the Canadian. So, you know, I was going to go with the Canadian. And if you listen to the prelim podcast. this this is going to be my first flip-flop of the day. There might might be more than one because, you know... I I just told you uh, earlier on, you know, my my kind of breakdown of that Jessica Penne versus Hannah Goldie fight was we we can't, and with the Misha Tate versus Renault fight, we can't just, like, assume they're worse uh, due to time off. And and after going back and watching Abu Ziyatar in his last fight, which, you know, granted it is three years ago, and, you know, it's been a long time, and hey, maybe he's off the the juice now and might be a different fighter. He did look a lot better than Barrio and Barrio's last win. Even like, sure. Are are either of these two like top level middleweights? Heck no. Uh, Aziatar like really wings hooks and kind of is reckless, but I actually think that that plays pretty well against Barrio in the, the long run. Originally I liked Barrio because he looked like he was moving forward a lot in that last fight. He really had a sense of urgency. I think he knew his job was on the line. Then he gets, you know, the no contest and still keeps his job somehow. So, I think he still is in that position where he knows his job is on the line and is gonna pressure. But like, it's maybe not the best idea to pressure against a guy who just throws haymakers when you move forward and get in his face. So, you know, like the like careful approach that Barrio had that actually lost him his first few fights probably would do him better against Saziatar here. And I just think he's probably gonna still be pushing forward. So. I actually like a Ziatar here, and I think there's a decent chance, too, that if this does go to the ground, which it's possible that, that uh, Abu wants it to go there. If it does, I think he's probably got an advantage there, too. So, like, I'm going to go with a Ziatar, and I'm going to say, I think he probably gets Burial out of there, too. Really?
1: Even off the potatoes?
0: Even off the pit, you know, like... We, they're, both, we, they're
1: both raw potatoes, stuff. So.
0: Yeah, and, and, yeah, they're they're both eating raw potatoes, so, like, I I think... I think, again, it's just so hard to tell, right? We've seen guys come back from those long suspensions and be like, oh, okay, well, they're the same guy. They're just, yep. like, you know... So one guy's maybe a little slower, and you're like, Yeah, that's bad. One guy's less punching power. Oh, yeah, that's bad. But, like, largely, the stylistic thing is still there, and that's why I like Aziziar, right? Like, he wings, hooks... At a guy who blindly, not blindly, comes forward. He covers up pretty well when you throw the hooks back at him, but, but a guy who kind of just moves forward because he was told he needs to have a sense of urgency in this fight because if he loses, he's losing his job. And I think, you know, like that in the back of his mind being like, I have to move forward, I have to move forward, I have to move forward, which is pretty much what we saw Adam in his last time before he hit that uppercut. It's all well and good, but when the guy who you're fighting likes to fight against a guy who does precisely that, you know, like that stylistic thing doesn't change, regardless of whether or not he's a little bit slower, his timing's a little off from having not fought whatever. You know, like he just needs to find that timing and who knows how long that'll take, but you know, stylistically I don't like Berrio in this one.
1: All right. Well um whether Berrios manger Le Pont de terre or not, I'm still I'm still taking him. So <laughs> and that's some French for you, ladies and gentlemen. Um so that's that's basically it. That's the fight card. Uh we broke down the uh <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. There's a couple more. Uh, that's really uh, that's your prelims. Uh, before we move into the official prelims, let's tell you about BetQL, another one of our awesome sponsors. Looking to get an edge and make smarter bets during March Madness? Well, you should read Dan's articles, first of all, but also uh, BetQL's algorithms scan thousands of data points across every game to find the best bets. You easily find the most profitable bets based on their top betting trends. Your brackets may bust, but your bankroll doesn't have to. Head to BetQL.com to get started today. You can head to the App Store or Google Play to download BetQL. Bet smarter, not harder, and use the code March 30 for 30% off BetQL for a year. That's betql.com promo code March 30. Every time I'm on there, they've got some super uh, successful uh, ratings for for uh, picks. You got like 60, 70, 80% for for basketball stuff. So make sure you check out BetQL. All right, uh, prelim card. Uh, I'm starting at 8 o'clock because um, it's on ESPN. So whether there's any fights to show or not, they, the the show will go on at 8 o'clock. ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. Um, we will start with... Okay, this, this is a fight which may happen, may not happen. It's uh, Shane Young and Omar Morales, a featherweight belt. Um, we'll pretend it's happening at this point. Um, we'll start off with Young, who is the gentleman who is um, part of... Whose camp is Oh, part City of Volkanovski's, Yeah, Volkanovski's camp, which has the issues because they left clean Australia. So, Young... 13-5, six knockouts, four submissions. He's 2-2 two two in the UFC. He got KO'd his last fight. Uh, he's eight years younger than Morales, and he's at plus 155 currently. Uh, Morales, 10-1 with two knockouts, five submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC. He did lose his last fight, which would, was his only pro loss. Uh, before that, he won his way into uh, the big show on Dana White's Contender Series. He also was 1-0 in Bellator. Three inches of height on Young, one inch of reach, grappling stats in his favor. He's at minus 180. So uh, for this hypothetical fight, we'll call it, uh, what are you thinking?
0: I think I'm going to go with Morales. Uh, the the thing about this one for me is there's a big unknown with Morales in, in two respects. Number one, he's only fought once at featherweight in the UFC, and it was against Giga Chikadze. which, like, first of all, that's a huge ask in your first featherweight fight, right? Giga is an yeah. absolute beast. And so, like, how good does he look at 145? It's hard to say. Nobody looks good striking against Giga Chikazi, and that's pretty much all Omar Morales does, right? Like, he's shot one takedown in his UFC career, and he got it. So, uh, you know, Morales in that way, I don't know anything about. And then in addition to that, I really don't know anything about Omar Morales' takedown defense. Like, I can't glean anything from his UFC fights about whether or not the man can actually stop a takedown. Because if you look at his fights in the UFC, you know, he fought Harvey Park on the Contender Series. That fight didn't last all that long. He knocked him out cold. He fought Dong Hyung Ma, who likes to just absolutely go out there and swing him. You know, you saw him do that um, with Polo Reyes. And, and then he fought Mowgli Benitez, and, and, and Gabriel Mowgli Benitez shot one takedown, which he's a good grappler, but, like, we only saw him shoot one takedown, and Morales stuffed it. And, of course, Giga Chikazi didn't shoot on him, right? So we're we're seeing a guy who's pretty much not faced any takedowns and not for anything. Shane Young is a decent wrestler. Like he doesn't have the greatest, you know, takedown percentage. If you look at it, some of that's because he fought Alex Volkanovsky in his UFC debut before like joining up with the guy. Uh, but like, you know, like, he has a decent takedown game if you watch his regionals before that. So it'll be interesting to see if he can use that game plan but, like, without with that being an unknown, I'm not picking Shane Young just on that, like, unknown thinking that, that his wrestling is probably good enough. You know, like, Morales you know, is very physically strong. He's dynamic. He, he keeps distance well when he is striking. So all of those types of things seem to, to hint that, like, you know, it's going to be hard for Young to get that takedown. But it's a big unknown for me. So I, I'm going to say Omar Morales wins this fight. I'm going to say, though pretty much anywhere the odds were on this fight, I was going to feel uncomfortable with it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a different... I'm picking too, also. Um, but yeah, it's it's probably a good matchup for Young coming off a knockout that he's not fighting a knockout artist. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that's another aspect. But I I think we'll, we'll stick with Chalk and Gold Morales and maybe the fight won't even won't even happen and we won't even have to worry about it. So um hopefully the next fight happens because it should be a fun one. Light heavyweights, Modestus Bukowskis versus Mikhail o- o- Olech uh why can't I Ola- say his name? Shadyuk. Ola Shaychuk, that's right. Olashuk.
0: That's my um, Polish ancestry coming through right there. There you go. <laughs> there you go.
1: Let's start with uh Modestus. Um eleven three, eight knockouts, two submissions. One on one in the UFC, uh, but he did get knocked out his last fight. So we got another guy coming off a knockout loss here. Um, what else we got? He is three inches taller, four inches of reach. He's at plus 140. Um, Mr. Polish man, 14 and four. Michael O, um, 14 and four with one no contest. He's got ten knockouts, one submission, so he throws the leather. Uh, two two, uh, with one no contest in the UFC. So two wins, two losses, one no contest. He's lost uh, his last two fights, both via submission. That's something of note. Um, but he's fighting a guy who's not big on submissions, so that should be good for him. Uh, last fight was over a year ago, February of 2020. He's a year younger, striking and grappling stats in his favor. He's at minus 150. And despite spite lot that, I think I'm going to ride with the dog in this one. Um, and you were going to too, aren't you?
0: Yeah. I, wow. I, I told you I was going to go flippy floppy on a couple yeah. of them because I, I – man, I, I just – as soon as I picked him on the, the prelim primer, I like was like, man, but wait a second. And I went back and watched some more Bukowski's because, you know, I, I think mentally for Bukowski's, I, I saw this guy who's like, you know, I think of the Jimmy Croup fight. You know, this is why I picked it against him is I was like, well, in that Jimmy Crute fight, he looked like he didn't belong in there. But, like, yeah. who looks like they belong in there with Jimmy Cruz? Like, Jimmy Crute's <laughs> a exactly. fucking animal. Like, the guy's a beast. So, like, you know, uh, the only guys who have dealt with Jimmy Cruz well are super grapplers like Misha Serkinov, right? Like, he's the only guy who's beat him, ever. Um, And when you look at what Jimmy Cruz did to Michael Holashajuk, I mean, he he battered the hell out of him, too. So then I was like, man, why did I just, like, think of Modestus Pekoskis as that? So I went back and watched him, and I will say some of the fights that really impressed me, his Cage Warriors title fight against... uh. Marthine Nielsen, which, who's fighting in PFL now. He's a, a guy who's a pretty impressive light heavyweight. And, and it's just shocking to me how powerful Bukaskis is at every moment of the fight. Like, he doesn't get tired. And I think for me, that's what I like about him in this fight, is that Ola Shajuk comes out with a lot of energy. And, and actually, my callist on the, the pre said that. Is he's like, the thing that worries me about Ola Shajuk is he comes out with a lot of power and he'll probably just knock him out. But then I got to thinking, if he doesn't, man, Bukaskis is in way better shape. And Bukaskis has power late, whereas I don't feel the same way about Ola Shajak. And, you know, Bukaskis did get finished by Jimmy Crew, but Like like I said, you know, that's a, that's a tough sell right there. So I actually think that this fight probably goes late with Bukaskis being cautious early, making sure he, he fends off any takedown attempts he has to, or make sure he stays out of trouble with some big exchanges. And I actually think he probably gets the finish late instead.
1: So we are both going with the Lithuanian Baltic Gladiator. It actually is a nickname. Uh, we're both taking him. You yeah, know,
0: he once told
1: me in an interview that uh, he wanted his original
0: nickname to be something that involved uh, Baltic um and originally he yep. wanted the baltic james bond
1: <laughs> <laughs> he does kind of look. in his picture he does he he's got the hair all style yeah he he could be james bond
0: i would um, also suggest bond. the i would also suggest the baltic uh rory mcdonald that certainly would work yeah he does
1: look again like too and uh Yeah, he he looks like he's fighting a Bond villain this weekend too. If you look at the pictures, yeah, they're very. uh, That that might work. So anyhow, we're we're both rolling the dice on a dog, and hopefully, I I think you know he he came in with a lot of steam behind him, and uh, I think that's a good, good plus 140. I think we're going to. I think that's a a safe, not a safe bet, but it's it's a smart one, that's for sure. Um, Let me tell you about a couple other sponsors. Speaking of smart stuff, Uh, let's tell you about. I told you about BetQL already. Let's tell you about Odds Crowd. Hopefully you enter the Odds Crowd contest for March Madness for your chance to win $8,000. Odds Crowd has plenty of free contests, including a $500 weekly contest and a $2,000 season-long MLB contest. So Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app built just for sports bettors. Mm -hmm. Free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private betting contests with your buddies, and much more. Download the app for free or go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Pixwise.com, home by a team of trend watching, data devouring sports fanatic wise guys, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction on every game, every day, and every sport, all for free. Pixwise presents the Capper contest to follow with the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and six other experts all competing for a $10,000 winner take us all prize. Follow the action for their free picks and analysis every day of the big dance by visiting Pixwise.com slash March Madness. Pixwise.com slash March Madness. Okay, back to the madness of UFC 260. That's, I'm going to update the uh, Wikipedia page because you never know, Dan. You know, mm-hmm. something may have happened in the like, 20 minutes. No, it looks like we're we're still. Next match is still going to be a welterweight uh, battle between Jared Gooden and Abu. Abubakar, Bakar, uh Nurmagomedov. you may recognize Nurmagomedov's last name. Um he is an official cousin, right? He's not just one of these pretend cousins that Habib has. I think he's what, right? I don't
0: have any clue.
1: <laughs> I think he actually I think this might be the one that actually is. There's like a bunch of Nurmagomedov's around and they're all like supposedly his cousin, but I think this one might actually be his cousin. But it regardless. Um that's who's fighting. Um, so he's fighting Jared Gooden, like I said. There's too many Jared Gooden, Gordons, Jared. There's too many uh, similar guys with names like that in the UFC. So they got to do something about that or, or go by nicknames. Um, so we'll talk about the Welchweight Gooden. Uh, he's 17-5 with seven knockouts, six submissions. we got a finisher here. 0-1 uh, in the UFC. He is an inch taller, five inches of reach and four years younger all over, uh, Abu Bakar. And he is at plus two Oh three. As for Habib's cousin, 15, three and one, six knockouts, four submissions. He lost his UFC debut. He actually got tapped out, which is not what you would expect from a Dagestani, um, Madov, but that's what happened. That was back in November of 2019. Uh, he is one, two and one in his last four fights. Um, that included, uh, Before UFC, he was in the World Series of Fighting slash PFL where he went 6-1-1. So he's on a bit of a skid here. Um, Grappling stats in his favor, but we're talking one fight only, small sample size. He's at minus 225. I guess I'm leaning towards him, but uh, I'm not big on him or or the number that high.
0: Yeah, I would say I'm also not very big on him in general. Like if you look back at at his PFL slash World Series of Fighting run, there's a lot of fights that give me a little bit of a pause, but – the reason I like him here against Goodness is, is his wrestling and top grappling tends to be better than what we saw against Zalata. I, I think he went in there and had uh, a little bit of octagon jitters and getting caught in that triangle. And I don't think that that's a typical thing because he look he's he's out wrestled and out grappled some pretty damn good grapplers like if you look back at his record when he was in world series of fighting you know he beat matt secor who was a ultimate fighter guy and and is you know basically exclusively a grappler like he doesn't do anything else he beat john doomsday howard kind of that way like you know kind of controlling him and out grappling you know he, he beat danny davis which you know maybe not a lot of people know danny davis but he's kind of you know same same sort of build there and and i think too if if you just can count all of that stuff in the fact that he has out grappled those guys. I, I don't see Jared Gooden as a guy who is going to, you know, like force him to stand and bang with them. Um, I, I think there are a lot of people in this division who will handle Nurmagomedov here and who will make these lines look silly, you know, cause the line on a Nurmagomedov is always skewed because his last name is Nurmagomedov, whether yeah. he's his actual cousin, his brother, or, uh, some guy he once knew who also has the same name, uh, it doesn't really matter, but like at this time, like I actually just don't think Gooden is the right guy to exploit that line.
1: Right. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. So we're we're going with chalk in this one. Um, brings us to currently the main event of the prelims light heavyweight fight. Uh, the original matchup we. Broke down what, a, few, a little while ago, and we differed in the picking for that, but I don't think we're going to differ in our pick here. Uh, maybe, though, because we're talking about a Massachusetts guy. So, uh, <laughs> Fabio Charant is filling in for William Knight against Alonzo Minfield. Uh, Charant, hopefully, Dan has some info on him. I'm sure he does. He's a grappler from Massachusetts. So I'm sure Dan has uh, some. <laughs> he is 7 and 1 uh, with five submissions. This will be his debut, and this will be short notice. Uh, it was announced Wednesday, so we're talking half a week notice um he's won three straight fights though uh he was on the contender series once and lost the fight there he is an inch taller seven years younger so that's uh the especially the the age thing is is a uh, is a big factor there uh, and he did just fight uh last month so a little over a month february 21st i believe i saw what's his last fight um he's actually pretty respectable plus 241 here um I thought the line would be would be higher. Um, he's fighting Minifield, who's nine and two, with eight knockouts, one submission, so everything is a finish for him. Two and two in the UFC, but he won his first two. He's lost his last two fights, including getting KO'd his last fight. He won two fights in the contender series. He's two and zero there. He's three and zero in LFA before that. One and zero in Bellator. So we're, we're talking a lot of high level experience. Pretty much all his fights will, are in a, a big promotion or, or a very large regional promotion. He's currently at minus two fifty. Uh, he is my pick, and I'm surprised the line is is this low. Uh, maybe Dan has some insight in Sharon as to why the line is line is actually respecting him a little bit.
0: So I would say this is: I think if you give Fabio Charant a full training camp, I think that's right. I think the line is perfect. Okay. I would I would line this fight right around you know Menefield negative two fifty or a little bit more than that. But that's if Sherrant was in a full training camp preparing for Alonzo Menifield. You know, because he is good. Like, if you look at his record, he's 7 and 1, and the only losses to UFC Alexa Kamer, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was on the contender series. And he actually didn't look bad in that fight until he ate a flying knee. Um, so, like, he is good. The one thing I will say here is he doesn't have an advantage on the feet. That's part of why I'm leaning Menafield. That's part of why I'm picking Menafield here. In, right. addition, in addition to the fact that he didn't have a camp where he was focused on Menafield. But the other reason I'm picking Menafield here too is just kind of what I've seen out of Chiron. You mentioned he's a grappler, right? Like if you look on his yeah. record, you know, there's two guillotines, two rear naked chokes and an anaconda choke and the guy's only got seven wins. But mm-hmm. if you look at the last two fights, he's had a big step up in competition and he hasn't been able to finish those guys. You know, he, he fought Myron Dennis on, on the uh, LSA main event um, I believe that one was for the title as well. Was that a five-rounder? That was a five-rounder. Um, and, and, you know, he had five rounds to go finish Myron Dennis. And, and like, Myron Dennis is good. He's 18-7. and 70, He's a beast. You know, he would have been a worthy LFA champ, too, and probably would have gotten this fight if it wasn't for Charant beating him. So, But that's the thing is that Charant took 25 minutes and couldn't get him out of there. I don't think he's going to get 25 minutes to beat Alonzo Mennefield. He has to go out there and finish Alonzo Mennefield because I think – Alonso Metafield's a a better striker. He's more tactical. He he's got the almighty tiebreaker in in save Saad in his corner. Uh, so you know he's gonna have the best third round in history. And, and not for anything too. You know, I mentioned the Myron Dennis fight too, but he, he fought UG before that. Who's a guy who's been fighting up in this northeast area too. Saw him a couple of times in Premier FC, which is an organization out of Western Massachusetts. And again, UG is like a thirty nine year old. You know guy who's three and oh and and still couldn't sharon couldn't get him out of there because he's tough and he's strong and all that kind of stuff so i like sharon a lot i'm glad he's in the ufc i think he's deserving to be in the ufc heck i might pick him in a rematch against alexa kamer i'm just not going to pick him against alonzo Menafield on short notice
1: right no doubt is he even in vegas you know does he train out of vegas now or is he having to fly across country to to get to this fight
0: So I have no idea, but I do know that he is part of uh, Lozon MMA and he has the manager, um, Tyson Chartier, I believe, who's the guy who does like uh, Rob Font and all of that. So there's a chance they were out there for somebody already. I don't know who that would be. I have to look ahead at like next – oh, there isn't a card next week, but maybe two weeks card. Maybe there's somebody at the Performance Institute or something. You know, I, I have no idea what he was doing out there, but I imagine he must have been close in order for it to happen. Either that or Chartier must have been like, yeah, we'll have him on a plane tomorrow.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, you got a you got a chance, you gotta jump at a, a chance when you get it for sure, even if it's a very tough matchup for him. So, uh, we are both going with the, favorite here in Alonzo Manyfield. So that wraps up the prelims. Let me tell you about our last two sponsors and we will go commercial free for the main card. So just tell you about Better Than Vegas. Uh, Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube, but for what hashtag did Jen's only care about, which is sports betting. Uh, they're giving out, or actually we, as in the Sports Gaming Podcast, are giving out free daily video picks over on our Better Than Vegas profile page. You can check out Saturday morning. Normally I post or Saturday early afternoon. I post the UFC ones. Uh, Better Than Bigs is always running a ton of free contests as well. they got a ton of free picks and handicappers to check out. Make sure you subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick. SportsGamilyPodcast.com slash BTV. btb slash BTV. And while you're there, go ahead and give Top Turtle a uh, follow <laughs> too, and, and you can see Dan's pretty face. Um, and then uh, let's tell you about Better Edge. That's B-T-T-O-R, Edge. Better Edge allows you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. Since you're buying positions from other sports bettors, there's no house. Legal in more than 40 states. Post the plays you like and have someone at the Better Edge marketplace take the other side. They have a ton of other fun against the spread picking contest as well. Sign up today at BetterEdge.com and use promo code SGP for a free $10 play. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, Edge.com, promo code SGP, of course. Let me right. jump
0: in real quick yes. here, right after the advertisement because I made a big snafu. Okay. Fabio Charron belongs to Iridium Sports Agency. That's Jason House, not Tyson Chartier. They're like Northeastern rivals, okay. to my understanding. Oh, Didn't want to nice. step on those toes. His former opponent, William Knight, is the top game management guy. Uh, okay. so my, my bad, Jason K. House put that dude on a plane, most likely.
1: There you go. Dan does not want to start a Massachusetts war. Um, (laughs) They will track him down. Um, All right. Let's get to our main card, unless you have more things you have to apologize for. No, I
0: didn't mess anything else up. I got all these picks right, and I know everything.
1: Okay, good perfect i know everything that's very true put that on a shirt um let's start with lightweight, shall we uh jamie malarkey and Kama worthy Kama worthy is on top turtle this week and let me tell you he spits some fire that man <laughs> he is he's angry about people who use potatoes to get an advantage in fights he's not happy about it um so make sure you listen to that uh so we'll talk we'll talk with malarkey about malarkey first uh, our whole podcast is basically malarkey but regardless um <laughs> He's twelve and four. That's my first dad joke, I think, of the day. Possibly. (laughs) That's that's a good one too. Yeah, you (laughs) gotta gotta make fun with Malarkey. Low hanging fruit, it's an easy one. Um, So we're talking Malarkey's twelve and four, eight knockouts, three submissions. So he is a finisher, except he's not a finisher in the UFC, where he is zero and two. He is an inch taller than Worthy, uh, eight years younger. He's got the grappling advantage, stat-wise at least. He's at plus one twenty. As for Worthy, uh, sixteen and seven with nine knockouts and three submissions. 2-1 2-1 in the UFC. He did get TKO'd his last fight after winning his first two in the big show. Um, he's got striking advantage. He's at minus 120. And I'll be picking him and Dan Will, too, because he was on his podcast this week.
0: Yeah, not just because he's on my podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I, I honestly <laughs> have very, very high thoughts about his fighting style, too. Like, yep. the guy is an absolute beast. And, like, the Devontae Smith fight will forever stick out to me. I mean, it's one of the greatest upsets of all time, and I know nobody will remember it because of, you know, like, the fact that, like, you know, are you going to remember a debuting fight for Kama Worthy against Devontae Smith? Probably not. You know, you ask somebody the biggest underdog, and you're like, oh, you know, Ronda Rousey got head kicked by Holly Holm. He was plus 640 in that fight and took it on, like, two days' notice against the guy he had previously trained with. Like, that's an insane... Story And he went in there and not only did he look good, he looked amazing. Like he tagged uh, Smith a couple of times. He looked like he was getting the better of the exchanges. Then he landed that big knockout blow. And between that and the guillotine choke he got on uh, Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena, like he's just a finisher. He's a guy who goes in there and is looking to be mean. And, and I'm really impressed with him. You know, like he didn't have the greatest career early in his career. He did fight Paul Felder in his third fight back in 2012, which I think is pretty funny. But, like, he's got a lot of, like, hard guys on his resume early. So when you see that 16 and 7, you're like, eh, I don't know. But, like, since he's really figured out his training and, and has really put it all together, he's been a force. And, and I think here, Jamie Malarkey, I, I like Jamie Malarkey. He's been on my show, too. And, and he's a super nice guy. I just don't know what his path to victory is here. It's like, I think if he shoots a takedown, I think Kama either stops it or subs him on the way in. If he tries to stand and bang with him, I, I think he's going to get lit up like a Christmas tree. So, like, I, I just don't see any real path here for Jamie Malarkey. So, uh, I, I'm going Kama-worthy, and I'm going Kama-worthy fairly emphatically here, especially at 130. Right.
1: Oh, we could. He could be tipping his hand. I think he. I think you get first crack at the lock. Oh, no, you VHP. you
0: get the first one because oh, I right. went first and I took freaking JP Bay's. That's so. right. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you for tipping your hand here.
1: Um, couple things on worthy. A comma worthy is a fantastic name. First of all, so that's that's enough. His brother's to,
0: name is Shaka. Oh
1: man, Shaka that's amazing. <laughs> that's great. And his nickname's the, the Death Star. So there's there's two more reasons for you to pick common worthy um, and he's he very, was very entertaining on Dan's podcast and he definitely is not a potato user uh, or he, he perhaps he doth protest too much but I don't think he's a potato user uh, from the fire he spits make sure you listen to that okay uh, women's flyweights this is, uh, this is the fight I'm looking forward to uh, another Canadian I can decide what i not going to go against we've Broke down this fight, I believe. Yeah, or eight
0: times. Yeah,
1: I believe it made air at least once. Jillian uh, Robertson versus Ma- Miranda Maverick, women's flyweight just got bumped up to the main card by Saturday. Could be the main event uh, for all we know. So um, we'll break down Robertson. Who before I pick against her? Like she's, I, I know she was born and stuff in Canada, but I think pretty much she's she's a um, Floridian. Um, and she has been a Floridian for a long time, so I'm just gonna, you know, just say that she started uh, American Top Team when she was 16. So it doesn't seem like she was in Canada for too long. We'll, we'll just, we'll just get that out of the way, um, so no one thinks I'm a, a traitor. Uh, tip of my hand here. Um, so she is a grappling uh, wizard of sorts. Uh, she's got nine wins, one of them via six via submission. She is six and three in the UFC. She did lose her last fight after winning two before that, two straight before that. Uh, She's two inches taller. Grappling stats are in in her favor. She's plus 145. Miranda, Fear, The Maverick, eight wins, one knockout, five submissions. Um, Never been finished in a fight. Um, She's one in – actually, what are the records? I don't have the records here. One sec. Uh, Jillian Robertson is nine and five. And – Miranda Fear the Maverick is 8-2. and two. Okay. Now we got that out of the way. So, like I said, 8-2, and two, one knockout, five submissions, never been finished. So it was two decision losses. 1-0 in the UFC. She's won four straight fights. She's, she has two inches of reach, two years younger, striking stats in her favor, minus 155. Um, yeah, Robertson is a, a – Love watching her fight. She's a fantastic grappler. Uh, Din Thomas Blackbutt or Dean Thomas Blackbutt, I believe. Um, but yeah, Maverick is is scary in all, all the right ways in the cage. So I am going with her.
0: Yeah, and, and you know there, we don't have to belabor this too much. You can look at mm-hmm. any of our last thirteen episodes. We've broken down fights because I'm pretty sure they were scheduled for all of those. And, and you know my analysis is pretty similar. It, it's look, this fight goes to the ground if Miranda Maverick decides it does it doesn't go to the ground at Jillian Robertson's request unless she jumps guard in a clinch. There's no other way she's getting Maverick to the ground herself. And when you count that in with the fact that Maverick is brutal on top, she's heavy. She does a great job of keeping her hips low. She keeps her arms out of trouble. She's got good grounded pound. Like I just can't imagine Jillian Robertson subbing her off of her back. And I definitely can't imagine her sweeping her. So like the the question just then becomes like, what's the path to victory here for Robertson? And I think Really, the only logical one I'd like for her is the sub off the back. Like, I think that's her best chance. And if the best chance is a sub off of her back and she has no way of getting it there, like, man, how are you going to pick her? So, yeah, I I think this is Maverick's fight fairly safely. I will say, you know, she's young. So, like, she is, you know, not that you you just say everybody who's young is prone to errors, but, you know, we're talking about Miranda Maverick here. Who's, who's only 23 years old, you know, and, right. and that's that's pretty early and pretty young in your career to be fighting somebody who, I mean, Jillian Robertson is young too, but she's fought 7 billion times already. So, um, you know, there's a chance that there's like that prospecty loss in there for for Maverick still, but, hey, I, I'm not counting on her having jitters after she just dismantled Leanna Jojua's face last time out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident in Maverick on this one.
1: There you go. Um. Ben weights. Sean uh, Clownman O'Malley versus Thomas Almeida. Um, Almeida will be making his return. When was the last time he fought? Actually, he fought fairly recently, didn't he? He
0: did fight fairly recently, but yeah, he was yeah, very he forgettable.
1: Had, <laughs> right. He hadn't fought for a long time uh, before that. He, at one point, was a... a um, up and coming prospect, but that was a long time ago. Um, yeah, he lost to Jonathan Martinez last October and hadn't fought for over two years before that. So we'll break him down first. He's 22, and this will be Bannaway, if I hadn't said it already. Um, he is 22 and 4, 17 knockouts, 4 submissions, uh, 5 and 4 in the UFC. Uh, all four of those career losses have come in the last five fights. He's only 1 and in 4, um, including losing his last three. He did fight at featherweight last fight. Normally, he is a bantamweight, though. Uh, He's at plus 270. Uh, Sean O'Malley, I call him a clown because, well, he acts like one, and he's last time we saw him, his hair was, what, half of it was bright blue and half of it was yellow, I think, and curly.
0: It was definitely weird.
1: He's definitely clownish. Um, so he is – oh, he likes to smoke weed too, guys. He's super cool, um, if you haven't heard already. Uh, he is 12-1, and one, eight knockouts, one submission. He's won four of his last five fights. He got knocked out his last fight, but if you ask him, he didn't get knocked out. He is undefeated still somehow. Usually you hear that when people lose a decision, not when they get knocked out, but that's that's the clown for you. Um, he's one and all on the Contender Series. Four inches taller, two inches reach, three years younger, striking and grappling stats in his favor, minus 305. Uh, I'll be going with the Clowns.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with, with him as well. But here's the thing I will say. I do think uh, Thomas Almeida is being a little bit underrated here. Uh, I, I think, for one, you know, we we did say, you know, he hasn't looked good. He's had a lot of time off. He's lost 100 in a row or whatever. But, like, let, let's remember what we liked about Thomas Almeida. We thought Thomas Almeida was – the same thing that maybe Sean O'Malley did become, right? Like the fun sniper striker of the Bantamweight division. I mean, he came out and he just flying need Brad Pickett into a different dimension. And, and everybody was like, Oh my God, this is the next thing. And he had an, uh, an undefeated versus undefeated guy matchup between him and Cody Garbrand to, to be like, who is the next guy? And it was Garbrand, right? It wasn't him. And then those other losses are to Jimmy Rivera and Rob Fawn. Like, so he did lose three out of four, and then disappeared for a while. And like, yeah, like maybe we can be like, oh yeah, maybe he's on. He's lost four out of five. But man, those, those losses are not bad losses, right? Like losing by decision to Jimmy Rivera is not a bad loss, and especially when you took a round off of him. So. I actually think that we're probably underestimating Thomas Almeida a little bit. And granted, yeah, he didn't look good against Jonathan Martinez fighting an opponent change at the last second and, you know, having been out of the game for two years and up a weight class. Okay. He didn't look good there either. I am just saying he has that like sniper knockout potential. O'Malley's not the easiest dude to hit, but hey, if somebody's going to go out there and beat O'Malley, it might be somebody like Almeida. So... I'm going to go with O'Malley officially, but I am going to say there is a path to victory here for Thomas Almeida. That is not necessarily as small as some people are making it out to sound.
1: All right. But that's, yeah, well, we both agree, but we're going to steer clear of, well, actually we have to bet on every fight. I forgot. <laughs> um, but if, you, if you're not going to bet on every fight, probably steer clear of this one because minus three or five is probably a little high. Um for a guy who thinks he didn't lose when he got knocked out. So um, moving to this bout has been bumped up to uh, the next few fights um, are tough ones for, for me to break down, surprisingly. Um, this one, surprisingly, because it, it seems pretty cut and dry. But it would be a welterweight fight between former uh, king of the division, Tyrone Woodley, and Vicente Luque. Um, Woodley is 19-6-1 with seven knockouts, five submissions, He's nine five and one in the UFC. Before that, he was eight and one in strike force, but he has lost three straight. His last win was September of 2018, so we're almost coming up in three years. He's at plus two twenty one for this one. Uh, Luke, nineteen seven and one with not eleven knockouts, six submissions. He's twelve and three in the UFC, one and one on tough. Uh, he was one of the guys who came through the Ultimate Fighter. Um, he's won his last two fights both via knockout, a form of knockout or TKO. He's won eight of his last nine. Um. Two inches taller, into reach, nine years younger. For some reason I was thinking Woodley but I just cause, you know, that's that's a good a good number and stuff, but he's looked so horrible. I don't know if I can pull a trigger on that.
0: And and he's looked so horrible, let let's face this for a second. He's looked so horrible for the last seventy five minutes.
1: You yes. know,
0: like that that's a really long time to look bad. Like it's not like uh, you know, he he did lose three out of five of those rounds, or he got knocked out early in this fight. No, like, he's looked for 75 minutes like he wants to go back to rapping, and that's not a good look. And here's the other thing I will say. The thing about Vicente Luque, if you go back and look at all of his losses, which there aren't many to look at in the, the recent history, you know, like he lost to Leon Edwards, and he lost to, you know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and, of course, he lost, you know, way back on The Ultimate Fighter to Mike Graves, which was a really weird loss for him to have. But those other two losses really come to guys who, who are able to hit him when he can't hit them. You know, like Wonder Boy is able to poke you, get the hell out of there. You know, Leon Edwards can do a similar thing. He can hit you with a couple of jabs and a, a cross and then get the hell out of dodge and he's not there for you to hit him again. Anybody who stands in front of Vicente Luque – winds up in a bad place. Randy Brown's the type of guy who will stand in front of you and box. Nico Price ain't afraid of shit, and his eye got blown up to the size of a beach ball. All of those things, for me, are are really clear indicators that it, it ain't a good path here. Or there isn't a good path here for our guy Woodley. Like No matter what the number is, there's just not a good number for him. So I'm going to go with Vicente Luque. Uh, cause I, I think he's not the type of guy who's going to hit him like that.
1: No, Woodley's going to, he's going to throw the gonna, big one. He's yeah, going to throw he, the big one repeatedly. <laughs> he's going to get himself backed up to the cage. First of all, <laughs> which is what he always does. And he's going to try to, uh, he's going to spring from his, uh, his ankles and hope to knock the guy out, which hasn't worked out for quite a while for him. So yeah, I've talked myself into Luke. I don't know when I was breaking stuff down. I was thinking maybe Woodley, but no, I, I can't pull the trigger on that. Um, the main event is very difficult. Uh, I've flip flopped a bunch of times in this one, so maybe we can. I guess I'll have to make a pick about it in the next minute or two. But we will uh, we'll, we'll talk it out. And we'll, we'll see what, what we what we come to here. Uh, it would be for the UFC heavyweight championship, which is currently held by Stepi Miochic. He will be rematching against Francis Ningano. Miocic won the uh, decision back in 2018 uh, when the first when the two first uh, fought each other. All right, uh, Miochic 20 and three with 15 knockouts. 14-3 in the UFC. Uh, he's won his last two fights, eight of his last nine, and he's got striking stats in his favor. He is a underdog at plus 107, which is rare to have a fighter be an underdog, especially a fighter who's already beaten his opponent uh, to be an underdog. Uh, as for Ninganu, 15-3, 11 knockouts, four submissions. So he's never um, never gone to, the, gone to a decision victory. Uh, of his three losses, all via decision. He's never been finished. He's 10-2 in the UFC. He's won his last four fights all via KO. He's three inches, uh, has three inches of reach. They're both the same height. Three inches of reach. He's four years younger. He probably is going to be around 30 pounds, uh, 25, 30 pounds heavier than Miocic uh, on weigh-ins. Who knows when when we actually get to fight night? Um, I'm guessing he probably cuts... Nigano's massive, so I'm guessing he probably cuts weight because he usually measure, uh, weighs him real close to the limit at 265. Uh, Miocic, last fight, he was about 233, I believe. So he, he'll be bigger regardless. Um, he is at minus 117. All right, help me make sense of this, What the, the basic, the quick, basic breakdown on this is Miocic is probably the better fighter. He's definitely the, the better grappler, um, the better wrestler, which, which he's proved. Um, He's got the experience he's beaten the guy um he's got a pretty decent chin, but he's not a perfect chin he has been knocked out and like your co-host um shockwave Dave said he's you know he seems is uh, his he, he never was much of a speaker but it's uh, it seems to be even more even more labored than before whether that has to do with with taking shots to the head in heavyweight division or not who's to say. Um, did you
0: did you happen to see, out of curiosity, that video clip that got posted around with the the YouTube subtitles of a of a C-Bay interview? Uh,
1: like, yes. And they the, you know, just, just gave up. The,
0: no. The well, it said music plays yeah. or
1: something like about like, like, <laughs> the, the, the uh, yeah, the closed caption person just gave up on uh on <laughs> so yeah, that, that's a little alarming when you see, especially heavyweight, um, acting that way. Um, as for Ninganu he who knows if he's a good wrestler because he never has to use it use it and when he does have to use it he's he wasn't good uh Miocic uh was able to absorb his blows and, and take him down at will um so you got to assume that's still the case um but there's no way that he's going to want to uh, Miocic is going to want to last 25 minutes in the cage with the guy who hits that hard because I don't think his chin may have been able to handle it three years ago but I don't know if it can now he's been knocked out since then by Daniel Cormier um so I think I'm talking myself in Ngannou because the the longer the fight goes it's you know more chances for him him to land that land that blow and I don't see Miocic finishing him so I think the fights if Miocic is going to win he's going to have to grind it out and that's just going to put him more at risk
0: yeah it's such a weird fight to break down because and I've said this a hundred times too like so we had the question after after Naganu lost to Stipe the first time is like, okay, it, clearly his holes in his game are his takedown defense and his cardio. So what we'll do is we'll put him up against people who will test that. You know, like, who's better to test your cardio and your takedown defense than fighting Cain Velasquez? Boom. Boom. That fight takes 30 seconds and we learn nothing about him. Oh, okay. Well, we'll give him modern Cain Velasquez, uh, Curtis Blade. Same thing. Lots of takedowns, burns you out. Uh, you know, this would be a great chance to learn about him. Boom. What was that? 22 seconds or something like that. Like we, he's fought the right people to answer the questions and then just not had to answer the questions. So yeah, all of those questions still exist. Did he get better at any of those things? You know, is he all of a sudden got a better gas tank and can knock you out in the fourth round instead of looking labored and exhausted? Can he stuff enough takedowns to keep on his feet and force a to box with him? I don't know the answers to that, but here's why I'm picking Francis Ngannou anyway. I don't know that it matters. Right. You know, like, and that's the problem with this, the Cain Velazquez and the, the Curtis Blades fight. I still think Cain Velazquez, maybe not, you know, the, the Cain Velazquez he fought, but I still think like a prime Cain Velazquez or a prime, uh, you know, Curtis Blades who actually gets to fight a whole fight against Francis, I don't think they have much problems with him. But I don't think it mattered because all he's got to do is land that big blow. And, you, you know, you have to imagine him working with Dewey Cooper, who's a, a hell of a kickboxing coach and, and whoever else he's been working with because he brings in all kinds of coaches and stuff. You have to imagine he's got that perfect uppercut ready to go for the first time that, that Stipe shoots. And, like, I have to think that he's going to land it. He has four times in a row since then. So, yeah. man, I, I just – it's such a hard fight to, to break down because you got a guy who had holes and, and didn't answer them. You have a guy who beat him and has is, is seemingly just proved he's the same guy who beat him since then. And, and still, it, it doesn't matter to me. I'm still just going to take the big, heavy, athletic guy.
1: Yeah, it comes right – yeah, you know, it's like I said before, it's uh... – It's a cheat code. Uh, He's bigger, stronger, and more explosive. So in heavyweight, that's pretty much all you need um, to win a fight. So we both predicted Ngannou versus Knockout, I assume?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, he's not going to win another way. Like he's no. going to knock him out or he's going to lose.
1: <laughs> you see it happening early, late, or when do you I see it happening?
0: I think it's going to happen early because I do think that the longer this fight goes, the more it favors Stipe. Um yeah. You know, like you know, I said, there's questions about his gas tank. There's questions about whether or not he has power in the fourth round, and we don't know that. So I, I wouldn't ever confidently say inganu late. Uh, I, I'm going to go inganu early, and, hey, that's yeah. pretty much just like I mean, it's pretty much what I've predicted for his last four fights, so uh, we're going to go with that again.
1: All right, so there you go. So it's Ngano early via knockout if you want some props. Any other props that you're liking on this one? We haven't really hit on any when we were breaking stuff down, I don't think.
0: Man, you know, there isn't very many that I do like on this one. Uh, I mean, like, there there are a couple of fights that you can imagine are probably going the distance. I don't think Abu Bakar and Nermia Medoff is going to finish Jared Gooden. I think you could probably take that one goes to decision. I think you could probably also take... Um, I think you could probably also take Miranda Maverick by decision if you like that one. But I do think that this is a card that has a lot of fights that would potential to go the distance, even if there have guys who finish in them, you know, like I could see, um, you know, even Kama worthy versus Jamie Malarkey. I could see going the distance. So like, I don't love a lot of props on this one. Um, So yeah, I would probably stay away from those. And um, you know, the, the Francis Nganu one, I think makes the most sense. If you like him, no nope, sense in paying negative money for him. You might as well get him by knockout or getting him
1: in one of the first two rounds. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Um, lock time. And we'll wrap this baby up. Um, Miranda Maverick is going to be my lock at minus 155 against Julie Robertson. I, I think she wins this fight. No problem.
0: Man, I really thought you were going to steal mine and go with Kama Worthy. So I guess I'm going to take Kama uh, I Worthy. thought I
1: was too. I changed my mind though.
0: Yeah, and I will tell you, I was already planning yep. a backup for when you stole it, and I was going to take Miranda Maverick. That's my other uh, close lock. I, I think if you're not going to take Kama Worthy as your lock, I think Miranda Maverick is the right one. And the reason I like Kama Worthy better is I think they both probably have exactly the same chance of winning the, their respective fights. Uh, and Kama Worthy's given me a little bit better odds, so I, I like him a little bit better as a lock. But hey, the, there's probably no no bad thing that could happen to you if you throw both of them in a parlay. Either
1: there you go, hashtag throw them in a parlay. Um, and just to remind everyone, uh, locks this year Dan's one and two. <laughs> and he, he's down 139. I
0: was, I was nine and one last week.
1: No, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm three and zero oh, uh, up 172 bucks. So just you know, I thought I'd put that out there. Um, all right, let's put this bad boy to bed i'll hope everyone hopefully ufc 260 actually takes place and these fights we broke down actually happen we'll get this posted into your ears as asap uh in the meantime um make sure you check out our site sports read all the awesome stuff we're writing there um listen dance podcast top turtle mma and prelim picker and go to mma-manifesto.com read all our great stuff there and um, make sure you enter our Pick'em contest. Scroll down the front page a bit and you will see a UFC 260 Pick'em contest. Uh, i away a $70 gift card to a MMA slash sports um, apparel company that sponsors Izzy, Adesanya, and basically all the Australian New Zealand fighters. So check that out. Um, and also follow us on Twitter Jeff Fox Writer, and Gumby Vreeland. Um, I think that pretty much does it. Uh, until next time, uh, let it ride.